Apple Presents Events at the Apple Store. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Apple Store Soho. How are you guys feeling today? How are you feeling all right? Great. Well, then, guys, please join me in welcoming this morning's guest, LeVar Burton. Good morning. How y'all feel? Good? Good. So, who here is a Star Trek fan? That was a trick question. <laughs> Any Roots fans in the house? Any Reading Rainbow fans in the audience? It would make my day if we could do, just warm up with a little song. Y'all up for that? You remember the words? Oh yeah. Butterfly in the sky, I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's a reading rainbow. Give yourselves a hand. And of course you just wanted to keep going, right? I can go anywhere, friends to know and ways to grow, a reading rainbow. Very sweet. It's one of my favorite songs, actually. Written by the very lovely, very talented Steve Horlick, who is a New Yorker. Here's a little Reading Rainbow trivia for you. The Reading Rainbow theme song was originally sung by session singer Tina Fabrique. And in 1990, when we redid the Reading Rainbow theme song, who was the vocalist on the new version? Shaka Khan. You did not know that, did you? A little Reading Rainbow trivia for you. Have you all heard about the Reading Rainbow app? Yes? Show of hands, how many have downloaded it? Nice. How many of you have children? Okay. All right, it's odd, but I'm okay with that. I really am. So we have worked for two years to really reinvent from the bottom up the Reading Rainbow experience that you are all familiar with from the television show for 25 years on PBS into a new experience for today's Wired generation. Television was the medium that we used back in the 80s and the 90s, right? To capture the attention of kids and lead them back to literature and the written word. And when PBS pulled Reading Rainbow out of the Ready to Learn lineup in 2009, it seemed because there was somewhat of an outcry from people your age, really, who were concerned that there would be no Reading Rainbow there for their children. Um, my business partner Mark and I saw it as an opportunity to really bring the brand back, but we knew we didn't want to do it on TV. So the idea of moving Reading Rainbow into the new digital realm seemed really attractive, even though we didn't know what we were doing. Um, two years later, though, uh, we, we, we have completed a process where we have learned an awful lot about um, about the app world and how to translate that television experience into an app experience for kids. And 
Two things that are really important in terms of what we've attempted to do here. Number one, it would have been very, very easy to disappoint all of you all in terms of not meeting your expectations for what a reinvention of Reading Rainbow would be like. So we really wanted to make sure that we nailed two things, books, and we launched with 150 books in the service, and video. We launched with 16 new video field trips. The video field trips were what Reading Rainbow was all about, taking kids on an all-access backstage tour of real-world experience, and we've been able to, to capture that as well, and we're pretty proud. So, when you launch the app, the first thing that you will see are a few sign-up screens, yes? And we ask you how old you are, let's say you're five, and we ask you to tell us three things about yourself, and whether you're a boy or a girl. We get your parents' email address, and you have the opportunity to explore for free and download one book. We are a subscription model, and so for $10 a month, you get a recurring subscription. We have an introductory offer of $29.99 for six months, which breaks down to $5 a month. We feel that it's a really great value for families, especially considering this is a library full of the best children's literature we could find and curate. I want you to see the very beginning. I want you to experience the launching of the app because it's something that I'm particularly proud of. Now we're going to launch. Wasn't that worth it? Yes. Right? <laughs> so now you are in the cockpit of your hot air balloon, and these are your islands in the sky. And what we've done is we've grouped literature around themes so that kids can find books very easily. So you have My Friends, My Family Island. You have Animal Kingdom Island, where you find books about, obviously, animals. Genius Academy, books about music, art, history, action adventures, and magical tales. And so when you choose an island, Based on the little information that you've given us, whether you're a boy or a girl, and what your age is, and what areas of interest you have, there are books that have been chosen just for you at the top, right? And then these are all of the other Animal Kingdom books in the service. So the first time you launch the app, here is what you see. On the tablet you hold in your hands, you are about to go on an amazing adventure in a hot air balloon. Flying through an ocean in the sky, you'll find magical islands ready to be explored. And what's on these islands? Well, books. Hundreds and hundreds of books chosen just for you. Do you love animal stories? Magical tales. Books about science. Maybe stories about best friends or amazing people. On your favorite island, you can choose from so many books to read. And that's not all. Tumbleweed plants grow as round as globes. 
With Reading Rainbow and your imagination, you can make hundreds of stories come alive. You'll also find activities and videos chosen by us at Reading Rainbow that'll help make the excitement of reading leap off the page and right into your own world. A submarine is a very complex ship that's shaped like a giant tube. This is a research vessel and is used to explore the very deepest parts of our ocean. This is only the beginning. We're adding new books, videos, and islands all the time. So you never know what surprises await you each time you visit. So let's get started. Pick out some books. Your balloon is waiting to take you anywhere you want to go. And there you have it. So the, the videos are an important part of what it is we're doing and the heart and soul of our effort is the books. This is a child's backpack. Kids really identify with their backpacks and it's where you keep your books. You can change your backpack. Change backpack. Pick one and then touch choose. If you want to keep your old one, hit the X button. Feeling very much like a butterfly guy today. And so the downloading of books is really what the experience is about. When you choose a book, you get a brief description and the cover. The cover is really how most kids this age choose books. And as a first-time oh, book user, you'll get book this video. Reading Rainbow. It looks like you're ready for your first book. That's great. I'll show you how we do it here, but I won't show you everything since some surprises are too good to give away. At the beginning of each book, you get to pick if you want to read by yourself or have us read to you. To turn a page, you can either swipe or hit this button. That one turns it back a page. Take a breath and blow on a fuzzy dandelion. Hidden on some pages, if you look carefully, you'll see this. Touch it and see what happens. Cool. This is the menu button. Touch it to play some fun games and puzzles. And last but not least, when you are finished reading, touch here to close the book and go to the backpack. So that's it. You can find me in your backpack if you want to see this again. So let's go. It's time to read. But you don't have to take my word for it. Sorry, Lamar. <laughs> that's Austin, our book buddy for, for guys. For the girls, there's a book buddy named Jane. So Jane and Austin are the book buddies in the experience. You see what we did there? You see what we did there? Right? So um, let's download some more books. What do you think? Um, yes, I'm gonna, oh, you know what? That's a great idea. Rather than do that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna search for a couple of books. We have a, a parent's dashboard here. And in the parent's dashboard, you can actually search for books. Um, let's see. I wanna search for a book, Young Henry and the Dragon. Love that book. So, 
We worked long and hard to figure out what our treatment of a digital book was. If you remember the television show, if you were watching an episode of Reading Rainbow and flipping the channels, you could always tell when you were on Reading Rainbow. We had a certain style of dealing with literature. The camera moved over the images from the book. Uh, there was always a celebrity voiceover. There was music, sound effects. So in choosing our signature style for doing a digital book, we put a lot of thought um, and care into it. And we have decided on a style. We know that, that our kids want the bells and whistles that the interactive environment affords them, and we give them that, but we really are very conscious to make sure that the bells and whistles are absolutely in keeping with the narrative. So, we think they're, they're kind of cool in that they're very repeatable. Young Henry went adventuring through the woodlands dark and vast and found himself away from home with daylight fading fast. He had no heat to warm his toes, no flame to boil his tea. He had no way to cook his famous turnip fricassee. But Henry knew that to the west and slightly to the south, within a cave there lived a beast with fire in his mouth. So off he went on twisted trails that ended in a glen, and there beside a rocky hill he found the dragon's den. Young Henry shouted, Dragon, can you help a traveling squire? I ask for just a single flame to light my warming fire. <laughs> the ground began to boom and quake and smoke curled through the air. A giant beast with scarlet eyes came rumbling from its lair. Be gone, the dragon puffed and growled. Be gone or you'll be toast. It snorted out a little blaze. I'll have a squire roast. Young Henry saw the dragon snort and formed a brilliant plan. If he could make the dragon laugh, it might just snort again. So Henry wiggle wagged his tongue and gave his ears a jerk. The jag dragon cocked its scaly head and didn't even smirk. Okay. <laughs> when Henry peeked between his knees, his hat fell off his head, and in a rather squeaky voice, Hello there, Henry said. Young Henry danced a crazy jig, his nostrils wide and flared. He jumped up high and crouched down low. The dragon only stared. With hands tucked underneath his arms and squatting on the ground, young Henry quacked just like a duck and waddled all around. He pulled his pants up to his chest. He did a little spin. He pinched his nose and sang a song. The dragon didn't grin. 
Then Henry tried his favorite joke, then giggled when he said it. What do you get when you cross a dragon with a wild pig? Smokey the boar. Well, the dragon didn't get it. Forget it, Henry said. That's it. I'm done, he yelled. I'm through. If you don't think that's funny, well, there's nothing I can do. So with a huff, he turned to leave, but tripped upon some roots. He hit the ground and tumbled, rolling head right over boots. A little oak tree stopped him. It shivered with the shove. Then acorns, leaves, and tiny sticks rained down from up above. From deep inside the leafy pile, young Henry heard a squeak. Was that a giggle? Henry thought. He took a little peek. The dragon swayed from side to side and twitched from head to claw. A smoking snort escaped its lips and then a huge guffaw. The blaze shot out 100 feet. Young Henry took his aim. He lifted up a knobbly stick and caught the passing flame. With torch held high, he freed himself. He had his fire at last. And when the dragon rolled about, young Henry tiptoed past. Then. Far off from the dragon's lair, in daylight's final glow, young Henry took his little flame and watched it pop and grow. But there, beyond the fire's warmth, a massive shadow rose, and Henry shuddered as the smell of brimstone filled his nose. The giant beast with scarlet eyes had found his hiding place. The dragon stood above him now, a grimace on his face. <laughs> but wait, that grimace was a grin. It clapped its claws together. I haven't laughed in 50 years. I'm feeling so much better. They sat beneath the darkened sky, and as the moon rose higher, young Henry shared his fricassee while Dragon stoked the fire. So, once you complete a book, you get rewarded. And in this case, the rewards are stickers. Y'all remember color forms? They like color forms. And the more stickers you read, I mean, the more books you read, the more stickers you get. And one month, it'll be one island. Then there are other islands to go through and get stickers for. But everyone likes to get rewarded. Who wants to watch video? Right? <laughs> so we have been shooting for months and months um, all sorts of, of new video. In fact, we just got back from Washington, D.C. A submarine is a very complex ship that's shaped like a giant tube. It's a research vessel and is used to explore the very deepest parts of our ocean. When she's got a full crew, 
This is a vessel that will hold 15 to 16 people. Can you imagine? This very crowded space with all of those people, pretty tough to move around. On long submarine voyages, you might not see the sun for months at a time. So if tight spaces aren't your thing, a submarine is probably not the place for you. This is the command center, where the submariners control every operation of the ship. So, on a ship with no windows, how do you see where you're going? Well, this periscope allows you to see what's going on up top, so that you can always make sure that there's no one sneaking up behind you. Ready to take her down, Mr. Robot? Aye, aye, Captain. Then dive, Mr. Robot. Dive. I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> um, you know what? Before, before, before we exit out of video, I know you guys will enjoy this. Um, in every island, there is at least one Reading Rainbow Classics video. See if y'all remember this. Aloha. Welcome to Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. And boy, have we got a show for you. I am standing near the top of Kilauea, the world's most active volcano. And as you can see behind me, she is really erupting. This is truly a rare, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be able to experience nature at our most gloriously powerful. To give you an idea of the size of this thing, I'm standing about a half a mile away from that fountain, and it's spewing molten lava roughly 1,100 feet in the air. That's twice as tall as any skyscraper you've ever seen. I personally have never seen anything like it. It's just incredible. Lava is really hot, melted rock that's pumped up 40 miles through tunnels inside the Earth. Those tunnels lie beneath volcanoes like this one. Sometimes flaming red rivers sweep through forests and fields, smothering them under a blanket of blistering ooze. The lava is so hot, turns anything it touches to fire. And watch how fast it moves. are really the tips of giant volcanoes sticking up in the middle of the sea. All this beauty, the spiked cliffs, gouged out canyons, rivers and waterfalls, snow cone mountains, 
and black sand beaches is here because of volcanoes. Most of Hawaii's volcanoes are inactive, but Mauna Loa and Kilauea are still very much alive. Even when they're not erupting, they let you know they're cooking. The earth is so hot that when it rains, the water seeps through cracks and boils in the steam. Then, when it's ready, the volcano erupts. This is what Kilauea looked like yesterday, getting ready to blow. The lava is just beginning to leap out of the cone. Y'all remember that? <laughs> the Beckoning Cat, based on a Japanese folktale by Koko Nishizuka, illustrated by Roseanne Litzinger. All of the books in our service are narrated. I read about 12 to 15% of the titles and I have hand-selected all of the other storytellers who read Reading Rainbow books in the Reading Rainbow app. Long, long ago, a young boy named Yohei lived with his father in a village by the sea. And every morning, when the sun peeked out over the ocean, he got up and went to the port to buy fish. He then sold the fish door to door, carrying them in two wooden barrels suspended from a pole balanced on his shoulder. Yohei worked hard, but he was still poor. When his father became sick, Yohei worked even harder to earn enough money to buy medicine. But he could only carry two barrels of fish at a time. He sighed and wished he could sell more. One rainy evening, as Yohei was cooking rice at home, he heard a tap on his door. When he opened it, he found a cat shivering in the rain. Her white fur was splattered with mud. She meowed, asking to come in. A poor stray cat, Yohei said as he let her in and dried her with a towel. After serving dinner to his father, Yohei took some rice and half of the fish from his own meager plate and fed the cat. When she was finished eating, the cat jumped into Yohei's lap and rubbed her soft white fur against him. Yohei's stomach growled with hunger, but her purring made him happy. The next morning, the cat was gone. Three days later, when Yohei was in the village selling fish, his neighbor Masa came running toward him. Yohei, come home! Your father has a high fever. <laughs> Yohei hurried home, carrying the barrels still heavy with fresh fish. When he arrived, the cat was standing by the door, but Yohei went right to his father. He put a cool, damp cloth on his father's forehead. Once his father was comfortable, Yohei looked at the fish and sighed. What shall I do? I can't go out to sell today, and the fish will spoil by tomorrow. Suddenly, there was a knock at the door. When Yohei answered, a young woman in a colorful silk kimono stood before him. Hello, how can I help you? Yohei asked in surprise. Are you a fishmonger? She asked, pointing to the fish in the wooden barrels. How funny, a cat calling a customer to a fishmonger. She laughed lightly, covering her mouth with her kimono sleeve. 
What do you mean? Yohei asked. Well, isn't she your cat, the white one? As I left my sewing teacher's home, she meowed at me. After taking a few steps, she turned and waved her paw as if to say, come here. She was so adorable that I followed her. Yohei was stunned. He told her how the cat had first visited him. What a remarkable cat, the young lady said, smiling. She must have called me here to buy your fish. Then she asked him to wrap three fish for her. Bowing, Yohei thanked her. Soon after, Yohei heard another knock at his door. And when he answered, he saw an old man who owned a large store in a nearby town. Hello, sir. What brings you here today? Yohei asked, surprised to see such a rich merchant visiting his humble home. So, it was your cat, the merchant said, his eyes widening. She must have heard me talking about fish. About fish? Yohei asked. This morning, my daughter-in-law had a baby boy. I wanted ten large red snappers for a party. I'm going to give in my grandson's honor. As soon as I left home to look for a fishmonger, your white cat came by and meowed, beckoning me with her paw. He waved his hand, mimicking the cat. I couldn't help following her. And here you are with all these fish. Yohei was so astonished that he told the merchant about his father and how the cat had come to his home. My goodness, she's calling customers on your behalf, said the merchant. I have never heard of a cat repaying a kindness. These days, even people forget to show their gratitude. Then the merchant took out a silver coin, enough to buy a whole barrel of fish, and gave it to Yohei. Here is the money for the snappers. Now keep the change and take care of your father. Yohei thanked the merchant over and over with very deep bows. One after another, people came to Yohei's home invited by the cat. By afternoon, the fish in both barrels were gone. The customers praised his cat and promised to come back the next day. In this way, Yohei was able to sell fish while taking care of his father. From that day on, the white cat lived with Yohei and kept inviting customers. People came from far away just to see the beckoning cat. Yohei sold more and more fish and soon he was able to open his own shop. His father got better thanks to the medicine that Yohei was able to buy. All the other merchants wished that they had a cat as clever as Yohei's. And that is how the beckoning cat became a good luck symbol in Japan. People began to make porcelain cats holding up one paw just like Yohei's cat. Merchants of all kinds put them in their stores in the hopes of bringing in new customers and welcoming old ones. <laughs> So the next time you go to Japan or even to an Asian restaurant in America, look for the beckoning cat perched on the counter. If she is there, you will know why. Now it's sticker time. Another sticker. So 
how the subscription works is not unlike a library. You're able to put five books in your backpack at a time, and should you want to download a sixth book... Are you sure you want to return this book? You have to return one to open up a slot. And one last thing, we're adding new books, new islands, new videos all the time. So that may be a hint as to what's coming next. Thank you so much for your time and attention. I'll see you next time, but you don't have to take my word for it. We'll have some questions and answers, if anybody has a question. Yes, we have a microphone. Yeah, raise your hand. Guy right here, front and center. Hi. Um, I'm an elementary school teacher, and I was wondering if you were, had given any thought to some kind of license or subscription for classrooms where multiple iPads could use the same subscription. We are giving all kinds of thought to that. We just launched a month ago, so this is what uh, we call MVP, Minimum Viable Product. We had to get to market with something. We have, you know, when it was on television, Reading Rainbow was the most used television resource in our nation's classrooms. We want desperately to make that same opportunity available to the educational community. So we're, we're, we're working very hard on, on that version for schools and libraries as we speak. Third row, center. Uh, hey, LaVar, hey, it's Roy. Um, you still got it? You got the reading? Lockdown. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Roy. Yeah. Um, Appreciate it. We were, we were wondering, some of us, uh, what's your favorite book? And one more question, who would you love to get on Reading Rainbow to read? from like the app. Yeah, um, I'd, love, I'd love to get Morgan Freeman uh, to read some books for us. Yeah, um, my favorite book, you know, my favorite book, Roy, generally tends to be whatever book I'm reading, you know, at the time. Right now I'm reading uh, a compendium of science fiction literature. I love science fiction. Uh, go figure. <laughs> I'm reading a compendium of science fiction uh, short stories uh, edited by, by Gardner DeZoyes. Yeah. In the back. So what has been your favorite part about transitioning to digital? You know, when I was growing up, I watched Reading Rainbow all the time. So it's really amazing to see this app available. Um, what's been exciting for you and what's your favorite part about, you know, this now being available for everyone? Uh, wow. The, the, it's been a, a wild two years. I've pretty much taken uh, a sidestep away from show business to focus full time on this. Um, my favorite part is that it's, it's out, it's done, um, and, that, and it, it has an opportunity to, like the television show did for over a quarter of a century, really have an impact on the lives of kids who are at that point of deciding whether they are going to become a reader for life or not. As the son of an English teacher, it doesn't get any better than that. Hey, LeBar. Hi. Um, you mentioned that you hand-selected some of the readers 
Oh yeah, all of them. Would you would you be able to tell us maybe who we might be able to expect, or would we even know their names? John, well, some you might. John Rubenstein, you might you might recognize his name. Samantha Egar, you might recognize her name. There's a guy named Jim Meskman who's just a wonderful storyteller. He's he's got storytelling in his family. His mother is Marion Ross from The Happy Days, um, and there will be more, and there will be many many more. Thank you so much for letting me uh, relive my childhood. I really appreciate it. Um, I have two girls now, and I'm just wondering it, if you can have more than one account, or is it just on just one kid at a time, or what's going on? That is coming next month. Next month, you'll be able to register more than one child on the same account um, for the household. A lot of families these days have more than one kid, yeah. So we did not have that at launch, but that was one of the things we wanted to get to as soon as we possibly could. That feature is being added next month. And if you, if you bought the app today, it would come automatically in the next version that, it, that would, you would download. Anyone else? What's uh, next for you after uh, this sort of settles out? Um, well, you know, technology is a very iterative business and we continually have to respond to the needs and wants of the customers and, and the marketplace. Um, however, I am back on television this year um, in a series for TNT on Monday nights at 10 o'clock after the closer called The Perception, called Perception with uh, Eric McCormack from Will and Grace. He plays a neuroscientist who is also schizophrenic um, and happens to help the FBI solve crimes. <laughs> but it's, uh, for me, I, and I, I, I really, I, I'm pretty picky about the TV that I watch. And, and this was written by uh, one of my friends, a Star Trek alumni, uh, Ken Biller. Um, and his writing partner, Mike Sussman. And um, it's really, really clever. And Eric is just killing it in this role. He's really, really great. And it's really well done. So it's a procedural, but it's more along the lines of Monk. It's a procedural that really is a character study. Um, and the twists are very unexpected. Really well done. Good writing. Good writing. Yeah. One last question. Right here in the front row? Right here in the front row. Could you walk me through the process of how Reading Rainbow was pitched to you or if you pitched it to a network and how you came to realize the, the impact you could have on, on children's literature through Reading Rainbow and how that evolved over the years? Well, I, I didn't create the show. The show was created by um, a, a, a partnership between WNED in Buffalo and uh, the Great Plains Network, both PBS stations. Uh, GPN is in Nebraska. They got together and created the show um, to deal with what teachers refer to as the summer loss phenomenon. When a child is learning how to read and they don't read over the summer vacation, their reading and comprehension skills plummet. And so it was really an experiment that was designed to be on TV during the summer initially. Um, we knew where America's children were hanging out in front of the TV. So it was a simple matter of going to where they were and to see if we couldn't bring them to where we wanted them to go. And uh, 25 plus years proved that it could be done. Um, what really got me, again, as the son of an English teacher and having just done Roots, Roots was my, my first job uh, in 1977 and we started reading Rainbow in the early 80s, I was really acutely aware of the power of the medium just as a result of the Roots experience. In eight nights of television, I saw this nation become transformed around an issue that I think is probably at the heart of almost everything that happens in this country, in this culture, 
slavery and its legacy of racism. And so the idea of using this very powerful medium to, to really promote a love of literature and the written word. I mean, I grew up in a house where you either read a book or you got hit with one, you know. <laughs> My mother did not play. I mean, you were going to have an experience with the written word in Irma Jean's house, one way or another. So the opportunity to really share that passion for reading and, and and I know fully well that just as much as they say you are what you eat, I believe at the very center of my being, you are what you read. And, and it's no secret that we are losing the battle in this country in terms of how we are educating our children. We are really failing in large measure. We've spent the last decade plus spending way too much money on the machinery of war and we have sacrificed the education of our kids. And so, so this is a way to, I really, I genuinely believe that, that, and when we started this venture, Mark and I, the iPad hadn't come out yet. So we've been blessed along the way with just amazing grace that lets us know we're doing the right thing at the right time and and I see that that this really engaging technology is a tool that we could use to literally revolutionize the way we teach our children and my goal is to have content that is enriching on these devices for them because they're going to play a lot of mindless games that genie's out of the bottle it's not going to get back in and Balance is what it's all about in terms of being a human, and so I want a balanced diet there for kids. So our, our mission at Reading Rainbow and at RR Kids is to make sure that there is an a, a enriching choice available on tablet computers for children and their families. Yeah? Did I answer your question? A little bit? Okay, good, okay. <laughs> All right, um, yeah? Look, you guys have been fantastic. Thanks for spending some of your Saturday morning with me. I really do mean it. I, I really appreciate you, your time, your energy and attention. Guys, join me once again in thanking LeVar Burton. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time, but you don't have to take my word for it.